Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Style That Binds Us podcast. We are so excited to be here today with dermatologist Dr. Hadley King. She went to Harvard for undergrad and Columbia for medical school. So clearly, she is very smart and accomplished. Great job, Dr. Hadley. Thank you. We have lots of questions about skincare, procedures, etc. that we think you'll be wanting the answers to as well. So tell us about the decision for undergrad. Did you always grow up knowing that you would want to go there? What did you major in? Did you always want to be a dermatologist? Well, first, thank you for having me here today. I'm excited to be talking with you guys. And um, yes, so I grew up in Pensacola, Florida, and I was always a good student there, very science and math oriented. And my mom was great. She she knew that I had made good grades and good test scores. And so she um, organized a college tour and we looked at lots of schools in the Northeast. And um, I loved Harvard. I loved the campus. I loved our tour guide. That always makes a big difference. And of course, I loved, you know, its history and reputation. Um, So, yes, I was very excited about Harvard. And I can say that I feel like that was a step that really changed the trajectory of my life. And um, I've been in the Northeast ever since. And I think that opened a lot of doors for me, which was great. Yeah. So what did you major in? Biochemistry. I have always liked molecular biology since like fifth grade, which I know sounds ridiculous, but it's true. (laughs) That's incredible. (laughs) And um, yeah, biochemistry, that was great. That's great. Um, I didn't know you were from Pensacola. Yes, not so far from you guys. No, and our beach um, place is in Pretty Doki. Oh my gosh, that's, um, yeah, I grew up on a, in a beach house on Pretty Doki. You did? Yes. <laughs> we lo- did you ever go to Jackson Steakhouse? Did you ever eat there in Pensacola? Maybe it's new. Yes, I have been there, although it's been a while, it's been a while yeah. but yes, I have been there. Yeah. So yummy. Okay, back to the subject at hand. Fellow Southerner, we love it. <laughs> so tell us how dermatology came about. So I was always science-oriented, and I was doing my biochemistry in undergrad, and I originally thought that I would probably pursued that route, do molecular biology, um, and become more of a research type scientist, PhD. Um, I particularly liked immunology, and I was working in an immunology lab, and I loved it. I loved seeing all the things I had been reading about in textbooks come to life as I was doing experiments in the lab, but I also started to feel that it might not be the lifestyle choice that I wanted to make. It, it Being a researcher can be solitary, um, spending a lot of time doing you know multiple repeated experiments working on a tiny issue that not that many other people care about unless mm-hmm. you make a real breakthrough and then using your spare time to to ask for money and grants <laughs> so i thought medical school maybe sounded like a better fit for me um and so once i was in medical school i was pretty open-minded about what um what field and and med school is usually structured so you get to sample the different specialties and see what you like i think dermatology had always been in the back of my mind a little bit just because of my own experiences with struggling with acne and um, my dad had had skin cancer and um (laughs) A dog that we adopted from the pound gave me ringworm, so I had experienced oh. that too. <laughs> um, so I, so I, I had some curiosity about it, but as I got to know it more as a field, um, I saw that it was really a good fit for me. Um, one, because it's very visual. I was blown away by how the dermatologist that that I 
got to observe during med school could make um, a diagnosis sometimes from across the room and know so much about what was going on inside the body um, for the patients um, all by looking and pattern recognition. And I'm, I'm very visually oriented. So I think that was very exciting to me. And um, I still have my, my love of molecular biology and particularly immunology. And there's a lot of that in dermatology. Mm -hmm. So I love the science. And I love to work with my hands, and dermatology gives you the opportunity to do, do lots of procedures without it being as stressful as something like open-heart surgery, but you still get to work with your hands. So that's a nice fit. And um, out of that visual specialties in medicine, you know, dermatology, radiology, pathology, the only one where you're regularly working with patients is derm dermatology. So I liked mm -hmm. that combination. Um, the patients are definitely what make my job interesting <laughs> <laughs> for better or for worse <laughs> sure <laughs> have you heard of the term double cleansing yes i have and what are your thoughts <laughs> <laughs> so i don't think it's necessary for most of us i think a regular um water-based cleanser um is sufficient for for most of us to remove dirt and oil from the day and makeup um in, in cases where someone is really wearing very heavy stage makeup, something like that, I think it's a reasonable thing to do first an oil-based cleanse followed by a water-based cleanse. And so, you know, if that, if that suits you, it's fine. But I think for most of us, it's not really necessary. Thank you for letting us know. <laughs> How early is too early for Botox? And maybe let's go into some different use cases. So, for example, some people get it under their arms for sweating. I get migraines. Some people get Botox for that. And, of course, wrinkles. <laughs> right. Um, so I think that everyone is individual. So it's it's impossible to just come out with a blanket statement of, you know, this is the age when, when one should start thinking about Botox. Um, so first for, for wrinkles, since that's probably how most of us think about Botox um, the most. Um, you know, there are people in their 20s who furrow their brow a lot and they do already have lines between their brows. And so it's not crazy to, to think about it at, at, at that young of an age. Most of us will end up starting to notice lines more in our 30s. And so that's a very reasonable time to start thinking about it, too. Um, and then it also, it just depends on your face, you know, what expressions you're making and your genetics and how much sun exposure you've gotten, because that'll make the lines um, set in more as well. Uh, so the general advice that I give to people when they're asking me if it's you know too soon or is it time to think about Botox is um, if you notice the lines only when you're making the expression, but once you relax your face and you're not making the expression, the lines are not there at all, then you can wait. If they're starting to stick at all, then it's reasonable to go ahead and start thinking about it. Um, and there is some truth to the idea of preventative Botox, because if you wait for the lines to really be etched in, we can always make them softer, but we can't erase them in the same way. So starting when they're just beginning to stick, I think is, is a good timing. Now, for other uses like sweating under the arms or migraines, I don't really think there are age restrictions on mm -hmm. that. Um, it, it's okay to do that younger. And do you think, does it really work? For under the arms, it, it's fantastic. Absolutely. It works very well. Um, people often describe it as life-changing. It, it's, wow. it's, it's very effective. Um, for migraines, I don't 
perform Botox for migraine, so I don't know as much about that, but certainly, yes, some people find it very effective. And how often for the sweating under the arms would you need to get it? It usually lasts a bit longer for that than for wrinkles, so um, on average every six months. Okay. Good to know. Absolutely. Okay, so you brought up sunspots, and my generation, we have, we're full of sunspots. We, you know, we just did not know. So we literally, on purpose, would sit out in the sun for hours, even up on the roof of our dorm. You know, we'd take a, a double rec- an album, which most people don't even know what that looks like anymore, and we'd put foil in it and under our chin, and we would just worship the sun. And so we were really paying for that now. But I feel like the younger generations... It's been really um, hit home to them to wear sunscreen, and we put it on our children religiously, too. But what is something that they can start doing now to um, to prevent those kinds of things? And also, when, like when I was pregnant with Delia, I developed melasma the mask of pregnancy or whatever and it never went away and it goes away in the winter and it comes back out and someone said it's the the heat actually brings it back out so I don't even know if there's anything that people that have melasma can really do as a permanent solution all good questions um so first yes I think sun protection on an everyday basis is the single most important thing you can do to keep your skin looking as young as possible it's really dramatic what a what a difference that makes um so sun protection that means you know every day using sunscreen and um avoiding peak hours in the sun wearing a broad brimmed hat and protective clothing um all of these are really important on again an everyday basis there have been some studies um in australia that showed that follow people who used sun protection on an everyday basis versus just when they felt like they'd be spending more time outside or or at the beach. And there was a dramatic um, difference in in how the skin of these people aged. And it's much better if if you're you're careful on an everyday basis. So Mm -hmm. that's important. And that's the single most important thing you can do. Um, In my opinion, if you're going to add in a second thing, then I would go with something in the vitamin A derivative family. So that's like a retinoid or a retinol, and that would be at bedtime. Mm-hmm. And then if you're going to add in a third thing, I would do an antioxidant in the mornings as well with your sun protection um, because that helps to protect the skin from free radicals that come from sun exposure and from pollution. Mm-hmm. And so those, I think those are like the three most important and basic steps to, to, th- to think about adding to your regimen. Mm-hmm. Um, melasma is a really tough one, and you're absolutely right that you know, we don't, we certainly don't have a cure for melasma and sometimes we don't even do a great job of managing it. But, um, you know, sun protection again is the most important because it can definitely be triggered by that. It is, it can be exquisitely sensitive to sun exposure. So, um, I always tell my, when people are working on, um, improving their melasma, I generally tell them not to even bother during the summer months because Mm -hmm. no kidding, two months of hard work can be undone by about 30 seconds in the sun. So it's just, it's a losing battle. Yeah. Um, And then yes, you know, heat can um, make a difference too. So that uh, does not make it in. Don't go to the beach. (laughs) (laughs) So avoid, avoid heat, avoid sun. And um, Mm -hmm. these are hard things to do. Yeah. Um, Along those lines, too, Delia, you want to talk about that? Well, I am so afraid of the sun at this point. I don't even 
go tanning or anything. So now I'm deficient in vitamin D. <laughs> so what is happening? What am I supposed to do? Like, I don't want to use sunscreen because I need to get the vitamin D. But I... No, that no. I just like am not in the sun, so then now I am vitamin D deficient. Well, I am right there with you. <laughs> I also um, have had vitamin D deficiency, and the truth is, I think it's something that we can um, we can definitely get from a supplement. Um, of course, a well-rounded diet. It's always best to get things from from diet as possible, but mm-hmm. the, the supplements are, are important if you're not getting enough from your from your diet and sun exposure. Um, sun exposure is not even always a really efficient way to make vitamin D, so I think it's um, very reasonable to to get that and safer to get it from a supplement. So, Dia, you should be using a sunscreen every day too, even in the city, even in the winter. Yes, I Great. that is I have it zero tolerance policy great oh my god i do not do that so i'll start just another step in my routine that's right that's right (laughs) and then i know that i need to do this but i do not because it's such a larger area do you recommend putting the products that you put on your face on your neck and chest as well so definitely when it comes to sun protection yes um you know i think a lot of us over time have been better about protecting our faces than our necks, for example. And over time, that will catch up with you, and we can you'll see more, you know, fine lines of wrinkling and change in texture spots. and tone in spots um, on the neck. So definitely important to protect the neck and chest um, as much as you're protecting your face. Now, for some of the other products. I think you have to be careful because um, some products that we use for anti-aging on the face, like retinoids, for example, or alpha-hydroxy acids, um, we have more oil glands on the, on the face. It produces mm-hmm. more oil. And so we might be able to tolerate some things on the face um, that we can't tolerate on the on the neck and, and chest area where the skin is more delicate, a little thinner, and, and not as oily. Mm-hmm. So you have to be cautious about that. But, um, but there are lots of products that um, are made specifically for those areas. So those should be easier to tolerate. And depending on what the products are, there are certainly some that you can also use on both the face and the neck and chest, like moisturizers, for example, or things that aren't irritating. That's a great, great answer because... I have been given so many neck creams. Maybe it's a hint, but you know, you think, do you really need to spend money on a neck cream along with just your regular moisturizer? But maybe there is, maybe they do serve a purpose. That's a good question. And I think a lot of that is going to be just how you tolerate it. So if, for example, you have products that you love for your face and you Mm -hmm. feel like they're working for you, you can try them on your neck. Mm -hmm. And if they're working for you there too, great. I don't think Mm -hmm. you have to have something separate. But if you find that, you don't tolerate them as well on the neck and it gets a little irritated, then you might need something gentler. Okay. That's great. If you have a pimple, what should you do? (laughs) Do not pick. (laughs) Always telling her, take your fingers off your face. (laughs) It's the most important. Anytime you pick, you're you're increasing the inflammation, you're increasing the risk for getting bacteria in there. So that's increasing the risk for infection. You're going to prolong the healing time um, and increase the risk for scarring and discoloration. So these are all bad things. Mm. So don't do it. Um, if you suddenly have a big new pimple that you can tell that's coming, the, the most effective thing you can do is see your dermatologist for a quick cortisone injection. And that works remarkably well. Within 24 hours, the pimple will be usually significantly smaller. And if you catch it early, it may never become 
um, a visible pimple. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I think that's really a, a great magic trick that we can offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, as far as ongoing maintenance, um, there are lots of topicals and sometimes um, oral medications too that, that are very effective for acne. The main thing is just keep your hands off your face, right? <laughs> and if you if it's big enough, so if it's big enough, like a it's sore or whatever, for sure, call your dermatologist. If not, just wash your face, put on a topical ointment. Right. Benzoyl peroxide yeah. and salicylic acid mm-hmm. and adapalene are all uh, ingredients that are very effective for acne that are available over the counter. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on exfoliating your skin? And if you like it, do we do this? How often should we do this? I do think exfoliation is important. I think it helps to slough off the old dead skin cells and reveal the nice, new, healthy skin cells that look so fresh. And it also helps um, any skincare product you're using absorb better um, also if, if there's not the, the, the thicker layer of dead skin cells. Um, so there are different ways of exfoliating and certainly some work better for some people and others for other people. Um, the, the general idea is that there's either physical mechanical exfoliation. So that can be done with um, rough scrubs or a washcloth or a Clarisonic, for example. Um, and then there's chemical exfoliation. So that's going to be more like alpha hydroxy acids and salicylic acid. There are some people who believe that chemical exfoliation is always the way to go because it's uh, gentler on the skin. You're not risking micro tears that can cause inflammation and potentially even infection. Um, and for some people, I think especially people with sensitive skin or people who um, are rosacea prone, then I agree, chemical exfoliation is is often a better choice. Um, but I actually think physical exfoliation can be great too, depending on how your skin responds. That's my mm-hmm. preferred um, mm-hmm. way of exfoliating. So it, it works well for my face and my skin. That's interesting. So if you have rosacea, which a lot of people do, if you um, physically exfoliate, that's going to kind of make it... You know, certainly depends on the person, but yes, that that can happen. Um, Some people with really sensitive Mm -hmm. type skin um, will find more irritation that way. That's great advice. Thank you for that. Sure. And what foods should we be eating versus avoiding to get healthy, glowing skin from within? So in general, I think what's good for you in general Mm health-wise with nutrition is going to be good for your skin too. So I don't think there's anything really crazy here. You know, it's the stuff that we, that we always hear, um, you know, make sure you're eating a well-rounded diet with plenty of protein, um, antioxidants, vitamins, minerals from fruits and vegetables and, um, healthy fats. Uh, you need those healthy oils to maintain a good skin barrier, so that's important. Um, so, so I think that's you know mm-hmm. very much in keeping with what's healthy for the rest of our body. Um, a couple areas that are interesting are the question of diet with acne, mm-hmm. and you know I think that there were old wives' tales about oh if you eat French fries you're going to get acne. Oh yes, definitely <laughs> chocolate. And then we you know said oh none of that's true diet doesn't matter. But now actually we do have some good data over the last like decade or so um, that tells us that things with a high glycemic index can contribute to acne. So that's refined sugars, refined carbs, um, and then also certain types of dairy. And the data here is a little bit mixed about um, what kind of dairy, but the m- most data is supports the idea of um, it's actually the, the non-fat 
portion of the dairy that oh. can contribute to acne, which is interesting. That is. Yeah. And then, you know, yes, there are other, you know, with psoriasis, for example, we know that um, decreasing um, body weight um, can be helpful for controlling psoriasis. And so that wow. so diet there becomes important um, as well. Um, so, so it is, you know, I think it's an interesting area that we're still learning more. What is eczema and what is psoriasis? What are the differences? Hmm. Um, so eczema, or as we call it, atopic dermatitis is, it's kind of like asthma, but oh. for the skin. So it's when your skin, um, can be hyper reactive to, to things in the environment. It tends to be extra dry and sensitive, mm-hmm. um, itchy. Psoriasis is more typically these um, scaly red areas. Most classically, we see it on the knees, elbows, lower back, um, scalp, but the distribution can be different from that too. Um, It's it's genetic. Um, We're learning more about how it's um, related to our immune system and to metabolic syndrome. So, So both of these things, eczema and psoriasis are definitely largely mediated by our immune systems and and have genetic components and we're learning more about that in the past several years there have been some really revolutionary medications that um, work through the immune system so again this is where the interesting science of of dermatology is and they've been you know life-changing for for people so um we have some really great new treatment options that's great that's that commercial with um Cindy Lauper. Yes, that talks exactly, about that. Exactly, yeah, yes. that's fabulous. And tell us about your approach to dermatology. So when I see patients, I like to hear what they have to say, you know, why they've come to see me, um, what they're noticing, what they want to work on, what their concerns are. So I listen and then I do a visual inspection of, of whatever it is that we're talking about that day. And then I talk through my thoughts, you know, what I see and what I think is going on and what the treatment options are for that. So that's that's my style is I like to explain and then involve the patient in the decision making process. Very smart. <laughs> As a type A and perfectionist that I am, how do you not go around and meeting everyone and looking at them and thinking about all the different things that you want to fix? (laughs) I confess that I do notice usually if there is something going on with the skin of someone that I'm that I'm talking to or or, or (laughs) oh no. Because it's hard to completely shut off that that part of my brain, right? But I think I do usually at least a good job of 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 not judging (laughs) and not offering unsolicited advice. Um, And and it's actually you know it's a really fun career in that people do want to talk about it most of the mm-hmm. time so so it's not that i'm bringing it up usually they're bringing I'm it up sure and i i don't mind that at parties at all and people always apologize for it and the truth is you know i love my job so i love talking <laughs> about it and it's, sometimes it gives me something more interesting to talk about than the weather that's right that's exactly right <laughs> so i don't mind that is so funny i get that too is this the right neckline for me what do you think about these earrings do they pull you aside and say, I've got this little this little thing right here on my wrist. Can <laughs> Sometimes you help me? they do. I yeah. don't mind. I remember that happened to my father a lot at parties, and he was a urologist. <laughs> and he would say, remember, you know, I'm a urologist. I'm not a dermatologist. <laughs> <That's funny>. <laughs> <laughs> do you recommend masking? 
If so, what are your favorite types? Clay, moisturizing, etc. of masks to use and how often should you be using them? Masks are fun and I think definitely social media has probably played a part in how popular they've gotten because everyone loves the the, the mask photos. <laughs> um, so I don't I don't think they're really a necessary part of a skincare routine. But they're fun, and I think it's fine to, to use them. Um, I think that I like the ones that are hydrating. So usually uh, they have a lot of hyaluronic acid and other moisturizing and hydrating ingredients, um, and they should not be irritating or stinging. They're just really adding moisture to, mm-hmm. to your skin, so you feel very glowy um, when you take them off. I think those are fun to use. Um, and then if you have specific issues like acne or super oily skin, then clay-based masks um, and can be helpful. Um, even salicylic acid, although be, be cautious that you're not using enough to get irritation. Do you feel the same about facials? I do, yes. I definitely don't think facials are a necessary part of a good skincare routine. I never get facials, um, but I think that it can be a very fun and pleasant mm-hmm. experience. And so if mm-hmm. you like them, there's there's no harm in it as long as they know what they're doing. <laughs> right. Exactly. And they're using clean instruments and mm-hmm. uh, gentle products that agree with your skin. Mm-hmm. Any products to get fuller eyebrows or longer lashes? So the um, the prescription product Latisse is very effective for, for, for lashes, and you can use it on the brows as well. Um, it makes the, the hair thicker, darker, and longer, and it, it's really quite effective. It's, it's a prescription that I love to write because the patients always love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's also safe. They have, they have good data to support their safety. Uh, there are some over-the-counter products that... Um, there's just not as much data, so it's harder for me to evaluate how effective and how safe they are. Um, some people feel that they're great, and I, I fine if it's working for you, mm-hmm. um, but I don't have as much um, efficacy and safety data on those products. Mm-hmm. My eyes are puffy when I wake up. <laughs> what? Why does this happen? So probably that is about fluid balance and and fluid that collects around the eyes while we are horizontal um, in bed. Uh, if Especially if you're noticing the puffiness in the mornings and it's better by nighttime, that, that's really fluid related. So some of that is probably going to be unavoidable um, just because we are horizontal all night. But um, being careful about your fluid balance is helpful. So that means lots of fluids and minimize salt consumption, and that's going to help your body not hold on to that water and um, flush everything out, and so you won't have as much there to accumulate around the eyes. And any topical um, eye cream with caffeine in it will help to um, get rid of that puffiness because it constricts the blood vessels and um, not as much fluid will accumulate. Okay, so I'm always interested in what's What's coming next? What's in the pipeline? Are there any new interesting? I want someday for them to someone to invent something that really works for cellulite. But I know that's not really happening quite yet from what. Uh, So body contouring is an area that's definitely very hot right now. Um, So popular procedures include um, cool sculpting and the um, true sculpt ID. So that's either using cold or hot radio frequency to get rid of fat cells and um, both of those are are effective Um, so those are interesting technologies and then I think kind of the newest trend are um, the muscle building 
um, body contouring uh, options, things like M-Sculpt or TrueSculpt Flex. So these are devices that actually cause contractions of your muscles um, and it helps the, the muscle to hypertrophy, to, to grow. Um, so uh, people are using these for the abdominals and for the butt and um, more recently also for um, biceps and the calves, uh, any area wow. where you want the muscle to get bigger. Um, and I, it, it, they are effective. So um, it's really amazing all the, all the options that, that are out there. Um, cellulite is a particularly difficult um, one, and I don't think we have anything that's perfect for cellulite, but um, decreasing the fat with something like cool sculpting or um, true sculpt ID can be helpful for that just because it's decreasing the, the volume of fat. Um, but cellulite really comes from the, the fibrous septae that, that run um, from the skin and into the fat. So, so just getting rid of the fat by itself doesn't completely get rid of cellulite. Um, there are some technologies that work to um, get rid of those septae, and so those are showing promise also. Oh, great. So in high school, I did Accutane, and now, because for back knee, and now the back knee has come back. So <laughs> I don't know if it's from working out or who knows what. What can I do? So, um, yeah, Accutane is really an amazing medication. Um, it, it, it's the closest thing that we have to a cure for acne because it really shuts down the oil glands. When you stop taking it, that function does slowly come back. Usually people never have acne as severe as before they took Accutane. Um, but some people do take a second round, so that would be um, an option if you feel it's severe enough to, to warrant that. Um, but there are lots of topical options in the meantime. Um, washing with a benzoyl peroxide wash um, after the gym, for example, is, is quite helpful. It kills bacteria um, that contribute to acne. Um, and then salicylic acid um, is, is another ingredient that helps to clear out pores. Um, and that is sometimes very easy to use in a gym type environment because it comes in wipes or pads that even if you're not going to stay at the gym to shower, you can go ahead and wipe off the skin before leaving. Um, so that's helpful. Um, adapalene is another ingredient that's available over the counter for acne. It's in the retinoid family. And um, although it can be irritating, it certainly can be used on the back as well. Um, and then the other possibility is that this is hormonal in which case there are hormonal medications that will probably end up being the most effective option. Okay, and this is a question that we ask all of our guests. In today's crazy, ever-changing, uncertain, angry world, how are you staying positive? So I think that, you know, yes, I agree with you. There are so many things to be upset about on an everyday basis. Um, and I love that we've had people like Greta Thornburg, you know, teach us that we need to be upset. There's value to that. And we, we should not just be complacent. However, for my own sanity and happiness, <laughs> um, I think that I just really try to live in the moment. And I know that's almost a cliche these days, but, you know, appreciating just the little things, uh, you know, seeing the moon as I walk home from from the office, even if I had a, a tough day and um, and it's late and I'm hungry, still just looking up and enjoying the moon and the, the shadows of the clouds, um, the, the tall roofs and lights of Manhattan. You know, these are things that make me happy. Um, so I think just trying to focus on all the good that there is because there's a lot of it. 
Phoebe, do you have any other questions? No, that's a great answer. Yeah, I liked yeah. that a lot. Yeah. So we have a surprise gift for you. Oh, boy. Aw, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Maybe it got a little smushed on the subway ride. That looks beautiful. You can open can it open now if you yeah. want. <laughs> Oh, I love it. And I don't have a mug in this office, actually. Oh, good. So Amazing. Yes, yeah, so it's a, the style that finds us mug. So every time you drink out of it, you can think about how you want to live a fearless and stylish life. I like that. I like that. The thank style you. that finds us ethos. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This thank was wonderful. You. Really enjoyed talking with you guys. Thank awesome. you for having me. And then I want her to be able to tell where her practice is. And everything. Oh, yeah. How can we find you? All right, so my website is drhadleyking.com. I'm also on Instagram at drhadleyking. And I work in two offices. One, um, they're both in Manhattan. One is 161 Madison Avenue. And then one is on the Upper East Side on um, 10 East 70th Street. Thank you so much for everything. Thank you. Woohoo! If you like what you heard, tell a friend about our show, subscribe to our podcast, and also scroll to the bottom and give a rating and or a review. Those are the best ways for other people to find out about our podcast. See you next time. Bye.